This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Savor, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about queso. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, the, like the cheese dip. Yes. Yeah. Much beloved around here, around oh, these yeah. parts. Yeah, around these parts like our podcast or <laughs> just I, Atlanta in general or? I would wager both, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I would wager around these parts could encompass a wide swath of the United States. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and we chose this topic because it's time for <gasps> the big game. And not, you know, I don't know, my gaming of The Last of Us 2 once again. Or, oh, um, yeah. Other things like that. But football and North American football. Specifically, yes, we are talking about the Super Bowl. We can say the words. We can say the words as long as— I like as to avoid it as much as possible. I, I know. I love— <laughs> I love that you have this fear of it. You're just like, no, they'll come after us. I, I can't be sued. I well, can't. <laughs> My dad it? was a lawyer. He used oh. to always say to me, Lauren— Ignorance is no defense under the law. Do you know what that was like as a kid? You can never win. 
Wow. Anyway, this I also like the lot. big game. <laughs> the big game is just a funny euphemism for it, it. It is. It is, and I and I love the culture of of, of euphemisms that have sprung up around yes. it. Um, but but yes, uh, queso dip is a thing that happens at Super Bowl parties, which are not really happening this year. Um, no, but no. as you know, we've discussed before. Even though I I have no intention of watching the game this year, I generally don't watch it anymore unless I'm going to a party, which, yes, yeah. I will not be going to one this year. But I still eat the food. I have the chicken wings already. Like Yeah? Oh, huh. yeah. Yeah. And, and queso is a, is a big, uh, big part of a lot of Super Bowl celebrations or just, like, foods that people like to eat around there. Um, and it does crack me up that a good portion of football foods are dips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anything, anything like that that's uh, that's snackable that you don't right. really have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. You can just sort of like like blindly like 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 shove a chip or a celery stalk or something into and then eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're delicious. I'm oh all gosh, for it. yeah. When I was a kid. My mom would make guacamole. Like we never had guacamole except on Super Bowl huh. Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, a couple years ago, when Atlanta was one of the teams in the Super Bowl, I went to a party. I believe I've discussed it before because it's quite a memorable experience for me. But almost all the foods, like everybody bought their own foods, and almost all of them were dips. Um, <laughs> and it was like just the dips, a whole table <laughs> of dips. And I think there were several types of queso, like spicy queso, one that has meat in it, like lots of queso. Mm -hmm. And we jokingly called it, um, that party, the party of the dips. (laughs) So many dips. (laughs) Ridiculous. That's delightful. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I I don't, actually, I, I don't think that I have specific memories of cheese dip in association with Super Bowl parties. But... Like like buffalo chicken dip, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Multi layered dips, sure. Hmm. I'm really thinking, and I'm and I'm really really pulling a blank. I I will say that um one of my very 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 favorite things to do um at one of my very favorite dive bars around Atlanta, which I miss so intensely right now. Um, they they, they have queso on the menu, and they will serve you a bowl of the queso dip. With a side of French fries, and you dip the fries in the queso, and I feel like just the most ultimate version of myself ever in that moment. I'm like, well, this is my final form as a complete bar slag. This is great. <laughs> yes, you, I, I remember the first time I was there when you ordered that. You introduced me to that, and I was like, I must. This is amazing. <laughs> And every time you would order it, it was the best time. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, gosh. It's one of the places that I go to in Atlanta. And, like, I walk in and they're like, they're like, so Jameson Rocks and fries and queso. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Everybody knows your name. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful and terrible. It's... Uh, mm. it's <laughs> mm, both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I always enjoyed it. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> yes. Uh, related to this, uh, we have previously done episodes on nachos and on American cheese, if uh, if you would like to look those up. 
Um, but queso and nachos are two totally separate categories. Indeed. Which I suppose brings us to our question. Mm-hmm. Queso. What is it? Well, uh, queso or chile con queso or spicy cheese dip is a, a, a molten pool of seasoned, semi-scoopable cheese. Um, the seasonings in there can include things like uh, chili powder and oregano. It can contain a number of other ingredients like um, tomato, chili peppers, onion, uh, ground meat or sausage, chunky or diced fine, uh, roasted or not. Um, it's generally served with crispy corn flour tortilla chips for dipping, sometimes topped with other stuff like guacamole, maybe some fresh avocado, something like that. Um, it is related to and inspired by uh, queso fundido, which is a side dish of, of like melty cheese baked with stuff like roasted peppers and onions and or chorizo, uh, served with um, warm, soft wheat tortillas and usually some kind of salsa or pickle for like layering into the tortillas. But queso fundido is, is thicker in texture. And I would, in fact, say that the key to queso is its texture. Um, it, it is a smooth homogenous liquid, uh, creamy, not oily, and when heated to the proper serving temperature, it offers almost no resistance to a chip that you dip into it. Like, you don't scoop up the cheese as much as the cheese just coats the chip. Um, as it cools, you may enter, like, a thicker scooping kind of territory, but I'd say that at that point, it's time to reheat the cheese. Oh, okay. So you, you don't want to do with the scooping nonsense. You want the coating. I want the coating. That's what I'm okay. there for. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, yes. the scooping is okay because it's still a heckin' bowl of spicy cheese. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I would eat it with a fork at that point, but, you know, mm. like if we really got to it. Um, but, uh, okay, okay. There are a number of ways to achieve this, this liquid state via science. Ah, um, yes. Uh, because, I mean, like, okay, technically you're, you're not going to get any kind of cheese without science, but in general, cheese does not want to melt into a perfectly homogenous puddle. And you've probably noticed this, and we did talk about it at length um, in our nachos episode, a few other places as well. Um, the, the, the problem is here that when you heat cheese up past a certain point, about 90 degrees Fahrenheit or 32 Celsius, the fats in the cheese, which, which are suspended evenly among or, or emulsified in all of the other stuff that makes up cheese when it's cool, um, that the fats can melt out of it at that temperature, leaving you with a bunch of oil and then some like lumpy cheese proteins. Um, those proteins won't, won't break apart and liquefy until they hit a much higher temperature, um, about 130 for soft, fresh, high moisture cheeses, um, and then all the way up to 180 for aged dry cheeses, which is about 54 to 84 Celsius for our metric friends. Uh, not that you're probably going to try to make a queso with, like, Parmesan, but I thought I'd mention it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people out there try all kinds of things. Who's you know? Say? And I encourage it. I encourage mm -hmm. experimentation. <laughs> um, but but right, right in the middle of, of that temperature range, um, you're going to have the melting point of, of like, low to medium moisture aged cheeses, like a, like a cheddar or a jack cheese. And those can go really creamy when they're melted because, uh, because during that aging process, um, the protein molecules in, 
in the cheese will break down through enzyme action into um, into these shorter chains of proteins. So fresh cheeses like like mozzarella go stringy when they're melted because those chains of proteins are are long and kind of tangly. They they get sort of ropey um, together. But stuff like cheddar can melt smoothly because because those those little bits of proteins have more flow. Ah, more flow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, so to make the, the, the perfect dipping cheese, uh, you, you need to make sure that the cheese has flow instead of stick and that it remains an emulsion when it's hot. Um, and an emulsion is, is a mixture of stuff that usually doesn't mix, like oil and water. Um, and, and this is why some recipes for queso use processed cheese, um, like, like American cheese, uh, ch- cheeses that are specifically created using these compounds that will maintain that emulsion. Um, but you can also use just whatever plain old regular cheese you like and add some of the compounds that are used in creating processed cheese, like, say, sodium citrate. And all of my favorite recipes for queso that I have read on the internet do indeed just say, like, yeah, just go out and buy some sodium citrate. It's widely available. And use it to make whatever kind of cheese you want perfectly melty. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'll never look at cheese the same way again. Oh, gosh. that's that's, That's my goal just all the time. Well, thank you. Because I have watched... I'll put cheese, like shredded cheese, on top of chicken, and I'll watch, and it just doesn't melt. And I'm like, this is weird. Curses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, th- th- those recipes tend to also recommend, um, yeah, g- getting, you know, mel- melting your cheese with some sodium citrate and uh, then using an immersion blender for, for really good mm. times. Yeah. Oh. Because that is going to uh, combine the 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 chemical stuff that's happening in there, um, the 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 microphysical stuff that's happening, with the macrophysical action of of the blender, yeah. But okay, note on sodium citrate: this is a salt of a citric acid, um, one of those things that makes a, a citrus fruit tangy. And because it's a it's a salt as well, it does the double action of uh, of lowering the pH. Of, of your cheese sauce um, or dip, uh, and also making the proteins more soluble. And both these actions create cohesion and flow among the molecules within your dip. This sounds like a cheese melody or a <laughs> jazz, cheese jazz Ooh, or something. Ooh, cheese jazz. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. Gosh. She's I thought giving. I liked- <laughs> <laughs> We had the hymns, now it's the cheese jazz. Yeah. Huh. Gosh, and I thought I thought I liked snake jazz, but cheese jazz, even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at any rate, the result of all of this is going to be a creamy, uh, not not oily or ropey dip, thicker than a sauce or a soup. Yeah. Cheese dip. Oh, so good. Speaking of, <laughs> oh, what about the nutrition? <laughs> uh, you know, watch your watch your serving sizes. Uh, this uh, cheese is a is a calorie dense food. Um, uh, it tends to be pretty high in fat, also high in protein. A protein is mm-hmm. great. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of lots of vitamins and minerals in there. Um, but but yeah yeah keep keep in mind that the serving size of a portion of cheese is like an ounce. Um, oh, no. uh, 
Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, hey, hey, it's a, it, it can be, it can be a treat, and that's wonderful. Treat yourself. Go big for the it, big game. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, do what makes you happy. Yeah. I remember uh, one of my first, when I first started as an intern at this company that's gone through many different companies, but essentially I've mm-hmm. remained in the same space-ish. Um, I went to Matt Frederick, our dear friend and colleague. He had a New Year's Redux party, and there was this, oh, chicken buffalo dip. And oh, I stayed yeah. in the in the <laughs> kitchen, and I, I bet I ate half of it. I I really went to town. Um, oh, the first so time good. that I had the first time that I had a chicken buffalo dip, I was just like, "Yes, this mm-hmm. is my whole life now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I live in this casserole dish." Yes, you will tear <laughs> me away when I am dead, <laughs> or there is no dip left. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Well, we do have some numbers for you. We do. We do. Um, and, and to start off, I guess a little bit of context that we'll get into more. A lot of you probably know this already, but much of the case in the United States is a combination of pretty much two ingredients, which is Velveeta and Rotel diced tomatoes and chilies. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, original Rotel was the fifth most sold canned goods in the United States in 2018 with 69.1 million in wow. sales. The fifth. Huh. Yeah. Um, huh. And right before the Super Bowl in 2014, there was a cheese apocalypse. Um, which was a Velveeta shortage due to a recall and a move oh, no. to, I know, a new production facility. People freaked out. And some even accused the company of manufacturing the crisis, basically a publicity stunt right before the Super Bowl happened, um, which Kraft spokespeople denied. And in fact, they leaned into it really hard, calling Velveeta our nation's most <laughs> precious commodity, <laughs> liquid gold. Wow. Which I don't know disproves that they um, didn't. <laughs> it wasn't a publicity stunt, but I don't think it was. But I mean, there, there are supply issues surrounding the Super Bowl uh, every year in a lot of ways. Like the the the, the dent it does on chicken wings is wild. Oh, it is. Yeah, there's been chicken wing heist. I think we talked about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. And then something else we're going to get into a bit later is Arkansas cheese dip. And Arkansas has a cheese dip trail map on their official website, like their state official site. The state of, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And they have a World Cheese Dip Championship. From their site, quote, Arkansas showed it is the epicenter of the cheese dip world in 2010 when our inaugural World Cheese Dip Championship hosted over 6,000 people, served over 225 gallons of cheese dip, and offered over 30 different recipes. Wow. Indeed. That's glorious. Mm-hmm. But Arkansas might not be the state you were expecting to hear about. Probably a lot of you were thinking Texas. And yes, Texan food writer and editor Helen Holliman once said, When I die, drizzle queso over my grave. Queso is a Texan birthright, <laughs> the most critical staple at any gathering besides barbecue. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I didn't know. It. I love it. (laughs) So this is one of the few, I feel like often I come out of these episodes like, wow, how have I never heard of that? Or how did I not hear of it until I basically Mm -hmm. moved to a city? So this one for me, I've always known about queso 
for as long as I guess I've been going out to restaurants, so pretty young. Yeah. Um, and I, I was fascinated to read accounts of people who had never heard of queso or didn't try it until adulthood, about having difficulties finding Velveeta and Rotel in grocery stores, especially people, the stories I read of moving to New York are um, having a friend from Texas visit yeah. them in New York and being like, queso! <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's um it's very strange to me and I and I was trying to figure out how this could possibly have occurred in American culture wherein, you know, like 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 TGA Fridays was like a whole thing mm-hmm. during our childhoods anyway. Um I'm like I'm like did people did these people not go to chain restaurants? Did they mm-hmm. were there no Mexican restaurants in their area and then I went on a whole like like internal rabbit hole about like are there more Mexican restaurants in South Florida like I'm surely there's a lot of I I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I haven't done the research into the spread of these cuisines throughout the United States but but I guess yeah upstate New York Connecticut didn't know about queso I you're missing out I'll never forget one of the first times I went to New York in this um woman I was visiting who lived there, she was like, we just got a Southern food restaurant. Have you heard of Grits? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yes, yes, ma'am. I have heard yes, of Grits. Yes, I have. That is- She's like, they have 20 types of Grits. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Let's go check this out then. <laughs> yeah. Have they heard of Grits? Because I'm not sure that there's 20 types that we <laughs> need to cheese. have. <laughs> no cheese. Yeah. Sugar's a whole debate. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it's really interesting. We're going to talk about that a little bit, uh, this kind of spread of queso and why or why not it didn't spread in the history section. We will, which we will get into right after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. 
The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, disclaimer, um, in this history section, we're mostly focusing on chili con queso, which in the United States, when you say queso, it's generally what people mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know there's a lot of offshoots um, and different histories we could have pursued. So, just put that out there. Yeah, yeah. And queso, of course, is just the Spanish word for cheese. Right. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> so if you just order, if you walk into a restaurant in a Spanish-speaking place and just say, can I have some queso, they might be confused. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> I think I'd be happy as long as cheese arrives. At any rate. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> when the Spanish arrived in what is now El Paso, Texas in the late 1500s, they introduced new livestock to that area, including dairy-producing livestock like cows and goats. Prior to that, dairy was unknown to that part of the world, or mostly unknown. Um, it was only a matter of time before these new, in quotes, ingredients be incorporated into the cuisine in that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the broad culture of, uh, of vaqueros, uh, cowboys, and related communities around what's now uh, northern Mexico and the southwestern United States gave rise to local cheesemaking, um, including a number of, uh, of fresh and short-aged cheeses. Um, in some cases, other colonists and immigrants to the area brought specific cheesemaking methods. Uh, apparently, Dominican monks influenced uh, Oaxaca cheese, which is similar to mozzarella. Uh, French-Canadian Mennonites influenced Chihuahua cheese, which is similar to like a, like a white cheddar or, or a jack cheese. The Spanish also brought pigs from which uh, Mexican red chorizo developed. And then um, the, the chilies and tomatoes and onions that would also make up the, the, the kind of basis for chili con queso um, were native ingredients, um, often roasted and incorporated into many dishes. Right. Um, And there is no specific time we can point to for when chili con queso came into existence. But one of the first written instances is from Jose Joaquin Fernandez de Lizardi's um, 1816 Mexican novel El Periquillo Sarniento, or The Mangy Parrot. Hmm. Um, It was mentioned again in a 1865 poem, Plaza del Chile Verde con Queso. Um, The poet described their disappointment that women at the time knew more about superficial things when they should know more about useful stuff like how to serve cheese and chili. Yeah, Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's an anonymous poet. Um, Mm. Interesting. Um, 
Still, this dish didn't appear by name in Mexican cookbooks during this period, uh, though the ingredients didn't infrequently show up in recipes together. Um, Just not in chili con queso. The first known written recipe for that came out of 1896, printed in a U.S. magazine called The Land of the Sunshine that was all about Mexican cuisine. And it included a recipe for chile verdes con queso, a mixture of cheese, tomatoes, and long green chilies. However, it wasn't really a dip, but a side dish. Like, the chilies were the main part of it, and the cheese was just melted on top for flavor. Ah. Yeah, which does sound sound delicious. Yeah, it it does. (laughs) That sounds really good. (laughs) This is a very hungry episode, y'all. Yes, it is. (laughs) At the same time, European melted cheese dips like uh, fondues um, had made their way to North America and were popular there by the end of the 1800s. So typically these were served with bread and these cheese dips were thought to be a precursor to the May meal, so an appetizer. Uh Um, In the first decade of the 1900s, some of the first recipes for, quote, uh, Mexican takes on these European cheese dips started appearing beginning with a 1908 recipe in a Kentucky newspaper for, quote, Mexican rarebit or rabbit. Well, yeah. Uh, so so the original dish uh, was called Welsh rabbit. Um, but as we mentioned in a recent episode, um, that was kind of a ding on the Welsh in on, on multiple levels because Rabbit was considered a poor man's food. The dish Welsh rabbit doesn't contain any rabbit, so it was sort of a joke like, oh, man, the Welsh are so poor they can't even afford rabbit. Lols. Mm. Um, so <laughs> so sometimes it's called a uh, Welsh rarebit in a kind of way that I think is trying to make up for that joke. But I feel uh. like glossing over it doesn't actually help anything, personally. Okay. At any rate, uh, so there was this dish that was being called Mexican rarebit based off of Welsh rarebit. Please continue. Yes. Thank you, Lauren. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, this dish was essentially the base of Welsh rarebit, which was melted cheese, milk, and eggs served over toast, and it added in chili pulp. A San Francisco newspaper published a similar recipe in 1909, swapping out the chili pulp for chili powder. Uh, And chili powder itself is often credited, at least in part, to a German immigrant living in Texas named William Gebhardt. In 1896, he started advertising for his product, Eagle Brand Chili Powder. And in 1911, the company released a cookbook that included a recipe for Mexican rarebit with chili powder. In 1914, the Boston Cooking School magazine published a recipe that was sort of a combo of chili con queso and Welsh rarebit. Um, It did away with the egg uh, usually called for in Welsh rarebit and combined cheese, green chilies, tomatoes, corn, and beer served over toast. Uh, A lot of these early recipes called for roasting the vegetables and grating cheese. Not necessarily the easiest thing. A lot of people pointed that out, which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. I get why. We are going to talk about that at least. Yes. Yes. But let's step back. Like most foods we talk about, queso probably originated separately in several different locations. Yeah. Different times. People were melting cheese. It's a thing. It's a thing we that's like occurred. It. Yes. Yes. We like cheese. <laughs> we like hot cheese. There you go. Exactly. Uh, But one popular version credits Otis Farnsworth 
as the inventor of chili con queso in 1900. That same year, Farnsworth opened the original Mexican restaurant in San Antonio. Um, Some historians suggest that with this restaurant, Farnsworth created the model for the modern-day Tex-Mex. Texas food historian Rob Walsh wrote in 2008, Farnsworth came up with the idea of building a Mexican restaurant for Anglos in the commercial district and staffing it with Latinos. And this model worked, and his restaurant became one of the most popular and successful Mexican restaurants in the state. And one of the most beloved menu items was chili con queso. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the recipe has been lost to time. So we can only speculate what type of cheese was used and if it was served as a side or a dip, something it was anglicized to appeal to Americans who liked cheese fondue, different from Mexican-style queso fundido. Um, And there just isn't a lot of documentation to support this origin story in general. But they certainly were a popular restaurant, and so they might have helped popularize the dish around the area. Indeed. Yes. Um, And I think we talked about this in our tamale episode. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century, there was this period of Americans being interested in exotic uh, new foods from Mexico, spurred on by food and travel writers. So people would come in to like San Antonio and and try these Mm -hmm. newfangled things. Yeah. um, So that was going on as well. At the same time... um, Some sources indicate that chili con queso appeared on restaurant menus by 1910 when the Gunter Hotel in San Antonio served it. One of the first written recipes for chili con queso out of Texas appeared in a 1920s San Antonio cookbook published by a local women's organization. And it called for American cheese. And yeah, unlike in Mexican dishes that use melting cheeses, uh, ever since processed American cheese was invented in the 1910s by Kraft, it has for the most part been the cheese Mm -hmm. used in chili con queso. When Velveeta was popularized after its 1919 invention in the 1930s, which was after Kraft purchased the product, uh, consumers of all economic stratas fell in love with it, using it in all kinds of dishes. It was easy and convenient and tasty. And at the time, it was advertised as a health food. Because cheese is healthy. <laughs> that, that, was, that, that was the idea that people, the, these advertisers were like, you know, good, good cheese. Cheese, it, 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 helps, it helps you grow strong. Get this easy yeah. cheese. It melts good. <laughs> it melts good. Yeah, um, and it, it appeared in all kinds of cookbooks and magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, Velveeta often served with chips and tostadas and crackers or toast. Um, one of the first recipes for chili con queso with Velveeta popped up in a 1939 recipe book out of Lubbock, Texas. And this happened to coincide with a lot of things. Uh, a perfect queso storm, if you will. <laughs> Ooh, queso storm. Uh, I know, right? (laughs) At the time, the U.S. government did begin buying cheese to support the American dairy industry. Though it wasn't until the Reagan administration that so-called government cheese was distributed on a wide scale. But still, this might have been at play in Americans using American processed cheese 
in Mexican dishes. Um, the increased awareness and popularity of foods like tacos also helped. And corn tortilla chips were being mass-produced by the 1930s. But before the 1940s, the average American couldn't easily get their hands on things like chilies or fresh jalapenos. So many of these early recipes leaned on things like paprika or cayenne for heat. Um, But a new product came along in 1943 that changed that. Canned tomatoes and spicy green chilies, the product of a farmer and cannery owner named Carl Rotelli. Um, He was concerned the American public would struggle pronouncing his name, so he shortened it to Rotel. And there you go. Um, At first, Rotel was only available in Texas, but by the 1950s, they started expanding um, to nearby states mostly. And in 1949, wanting to cash in on the popularity of queso at things like football games and just gatherings in general, Rotel began marketing itself as an essential ingredient for queso. Um, The recipe they published that year was easy, just mixing their product with melted cheese, serve with chips, you're done. Americans were encouraged to use this new Rotel product with processed cheese through advertisements pretty much from the jump. And the ads were so successful that the products are advertised together to this day, um, despite being owned by different companies. Kraft and Rotel specifically joined forces in the 1980s. Uh, but but yeah, no, they, they each company had separately been like, as far as I can tell, completely independently, being like, yeah, pair our stuff with this other thing. It's what right. you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and because both Velveeta and Rotel were inexpensive and widely available by the 70s and 80s, um, at least it seems in most of the United States, maybe not all the United States, uh, it was so easy to just warm the Velveeta and add in the Rotel chilies to make a smooth, savory mixture. Because it was easy cheap and pretty available, this version of chili con queso became a popular dip on American tables. Um, But of course, this is not the only version of queso, and queso is not always served in dip form. But, you know, chili con queso in the U.S., that's what a lot of people think of first. Yeah, yeah, specifically, right, Velveeta and Rotel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so restaurants thrived after World War II, and this helped bring queso more mainstream as well. One well-loved version that I saw in multiple articles came out of Matt's El Rancho restaurant, which opened in 1952. Their Bob Armstrong dip, chili con queso with guacamole, sour cream, and taco meat, was immediately popular after they debuted it in the 1960s, allegedly named after the influential politician Bob Armstrong, who requested an off-menu item, and this is Uh what they made him. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And his friends, he told his friends, and they came and ordered it, and so on and so on. It became so popular that they made it a permanent offering, and it went on to become their most famous dish. Mm. And then, in 1964, First Lady Claudia Ladybird Johnson shared her recipe for chili con queso in the Washington Post— at the time, it was still pretty regional. Uh-huh. Um, and, and she was from, the, the, the Johnsons were from Texas, so. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so her recipe in this article called for aged cheddar cheese in what is thought to have been an attempt to be more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but the cheese just didn't melt well. It didn't have the flow. 
Yeah, um. yeah. If you if you age a cheese too much, again, you're 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 getting into into kind of kind of dry territory, and that's not. There's less flow. There's less flow. And the White House chef at the time even referred to this recipe as chili con concrete. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, oh, later versions. <laughs> it's very harsh. This. Yes. <laughs> but later versions of the recipe from Johnson used processed cheese. I would assume that she made it with processed cheese in Texas before this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She did help bump Rotel's products, like bring them more to national oh. awareness. Huh. Mm-hmm. But hold on. We've got to talk queso controversy. Queso controversy. Yeah. <laughs> in 2016, an Arkansas claim named their state, and specifically a Mexican restaurant in Little Rock, as the birthplace of queso. But there, it's called cheese dip. Yes. In the 1930s. Ah. Yeah. Oh, it caused quite a stir. The senators of both states (laughs) even brought dips from their respective homes for their colleagues to judge, like blindfold taste test. And the Arkansas cheese dip won out. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Get it, underdogs. (laughs) I don't know why I just got excited. (laughs) It was very exciting. Um, While cheese dip is made with American processed cheese, it typically uses chili powder like earlier recipes did. So that's the main difference. Um, Again, in the 1930s, chilies were expensive and hard to find outside of maybe Texas. Well, maybe compared to Texas, if you're comparing Arkansas to Uh Texas. Um, However, according to Lisa Fain, who literally wrote the book on queso, appropriately called Queso! Exclamation point, regional recipes for the world's favorite chili cheese dip. <laughs> and she also writes The Homesick Texan. Um, according to her, there isn't really any legitimacy <laughs> to the Arkansas claim. Oh. Oh, yeah. She traced the story to a Mexican restaurant opened by a Texan in Longview, Arkansas, and later at Little Rock. She called their claim, quote, Bogus. Wow. Hmm. I, I would like to re- repeat my my prior statement that like people enjoy hot <laughs> cheese, <laughs> and I don't. I mean, you know, why can't we all just get along? Does there have to be queso controversy? I think it seems that there must be, because <laughs> we're not even done with the queso controversy. <gasps> Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, hold on. We're, all, we're almost getting to the <laughs> the biggest recent controversy. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, okay, okay, but but first, side note, but yes. first, because this took place, yeah, this was 2016. But then, stepping back a little bit, ConAgra purchased Rotel in 2002, and in 2005, Velvia and Rotel became official partners. Kraft and ConAgra launched a series of, quote, queso awareness ads... <laughs> Outside of Texas markets in 2008. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But let us discuss this. Right. Uh Uh-huh. In 2017, chains Chipotle and Wendy's introduced queso at their restaurants due to consumer demand. I believe a Chipotle spokesperson even said we're losing business to competitors because we don't offer queso. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember this. Uh, the Chipotle one causing quite the kerfuffle. Uh, the chain's version used all natural ingredients in quotes, and there were like 20 ingredients in it. It was a lot. 
Yeah. Two Americans used to two-ingredient version of Velveeta and Rotel, which, yes, I know they have other things in there, but very simple, essentially. This wasn't really what they wanted when they were getting queso. When they were getting queso, they, it wasn't what they were expecting. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sales of Chipotle stock dropped 3% in the wake of this queso controversy. Um, they retooled their recipe to make it creamier in the following months, and I read some reviews of it, and it sounds like it's improved, but still not snuffed there. Still not yet. quite right. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think I ever tried the queso. Um, they, they offered it both as a dip and as a, like, topping for, yeah. uh, or, or, you know, ingredient that they would put into your burrito. But, yeah, it, 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 it sounds like the issue was that it was just too runny. Um, it wasn't, right. it had too much flow. Uh, too much flow. Yeah, oh. yeah. You need, you need a flow balance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and so it just, right, right. It, it just wasn't quite, that texture was not there. And, and yeah, people were savage about it. Just absolutely angry. Oh, yeah. They were like, you never offer us queso, and now you finally offer us queso, and it's bad queso? You have made queso bad? <laughs> How and we why? It was impossible. <laughs> Do you hate us this much? Um, people were salty. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember we got it at our office. I believe it was our coworker Paul, who's a big Chipotle fan, was like, we've got to try this queso and see what the fuss oh. is about. Gosh, right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I tried it, and I just remember, like, yeah, the texture being off, and it kind of just being, like, how was it not salty enough? That seems impossible. But right. Yeah. Anyway, well, this wasn't meant to be a hit piece on Chipotle. No. No, I, I hope that, I hope that they, their, their recipe revamp has made it better. Um, <laughs> I wish them the best. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We want good queso options for people. That's I do. For sure. Yeah. 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 And if if you are just eating some Super Bowl adjacent foods and we hope that queso, should you desire it, you find it and you yeah. have it and enjoy it. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Um, I also hope that you try dipping some French fries in it sometime. Mm. I I hope that you support your local restaurants if and where you can. Um, mm-hmm. getting, getting nice, nice, safe takeout and mm-hmm. reheating your queso to keep it at the perfect temperature while yes. you're at home. Yes. Cause again, we want you to have a lovely queso experience. Gosh, we do. Yes. Well, <laughs> that's what we have to say about queso for now. It is. We do have some listener mail, but first we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursion? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener, listener mail. mail. It's a dip. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is it a football fumble? Is there a... Oh, you're right. I should have done that. Ah, oh, missed opportunity. Oh, I think it was very similar in, in concept. So, you know. I was diving. I was like diving into the cheese. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Oh man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had in my head this entire time. This I I keep talking about about the, this texture of the cheese, and I just keep imagining like a like a hot tub full of queso dip, mm. and how in my in my like cartoon inner reality it would be delightful. Yeah. In Actual reality, I'm sure it would be gross, but yeah, it's nice to live in that cartoon reality every now and then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, McKinsey wrote, "Hello, I'm not going to confess my love for lima beans because <laughs> if I'm being honest, I don't think I've ever had a lima bean. Huh? But I am going to confess my love for the best book of all time." Annie, your sad story about kids making fun of you for liking lima beans reminded me so much of the girl from this story. The book is called A Bad Case of the Stripes by David Shannon. It's a children's picture book. It's about a girl named Camilla Cream. She loves lima beans, but everyone makes fun of her for liking them, so she decides to stop eating them. Soon after, she breaks out in a bad case of the stripes, and her life gets turned upside down. You'll have to read it to see how it ends, but I'm telling you, it is heartwarming and encouraging for everyone. 
even a 29-year-old who should probably read more grown-up literature. (laughs) I think you will love this book and its message. The illustrations in it are amazing as well. You really should go order the book right now. Your life will be forever better for it. Aww. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I I wish I'd had this as a kid. I would have hardcore connected. Aww. And they are not the only person who wrote in. Uh, Thatcher wrote about this, too. Quote, I just finished your episode on lima beans, and it reminded me of this children's book I read a long time ago. It's called A Bad Case of the Stripes by David Shannon. Annie, you will love this story since you're teased because you liked lima beans. How wonderful. Oh. oh. I got to find it. I got to search it right? out. Right? Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, Viva wrote, I'm late to your episode on tomato soup cake, but I am definitely not new to the cake itself. Long ago, when my kids were little, I'm now a grandma, uh, we didn't have much money. What we did have was a dog-eared, much-loved copy of The Joy of Cooking and PBS. Invariably, as the end of the month closed in and the rent came due again, I would have to make a trip to one or more of the local food banks. No matter which one I went to or what time of the year, we always found a couple cans of condensed cream of tomato soup in the bag— Sometimes Campbell's, often generic, occasionally organic, but always tomato soup. The Joy of Cooking called it surprise cake. However, as artsy, nerdy PBS watching types, we quickly began referring to it as the Andy Warhol cake. It was our go-to cake for years. We added chocolate chips to the batter and made a frosting out of cream cheese and honey for special occasions. On cold Sunday mornings, we'd turn it into coffee cake with the addition of a crumble topping. Long after our lean food bank days were over, I'd pick up a couple cans of tomato soup whenever it was on sale just to bake our beloved Andy Warhol cake. Oh, I love that. I love how customizable it was and gave it your own name, made it special. I love it. (laughs) Oh, that is is so beautiful. I, I really need to make this cake now. I know. I'm so intrigued. Like, my brain, I can't. I know we've talked about it, but I'm imagining kind of like a spiced cake or something. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what a lot of recipes that I've that I've read have called for. Um, and I imagine that the 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 tomato gives it kind of like almost like a citrusy kind of kick. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, one of these days. One of these days. <laughs> Gonna happen. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks to those listeners for writing. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. 
me some sea life. Give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at San Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.